Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and a movie about a guy who talks with someone weekly for many, many years and then gets so tired of it that he wants to self-harm rather than continue? I couldn't possibly relate. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Joining me, joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Finally, a movie that makes the case for leaving your most boring friends behind, Cold Turkey, on with the show. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Yeah, you guys are right. There is something familiar about this movie, but <laughs> yeah. I can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. Aimless conversations, wasting our lives. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Martin McDonough's new movie, The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us on YouTube and Twitter and TikTok at thefilmcastpod. Before we get to our review, of course, we got some uh, what we've been watching for you as well as some exciting film news. But first, uh, you know, on this podcast, folks, on occasion, we may or may not make mistakes. <laughs> And no, folks, you haven't accidentally pushed play on last week's episode <laughs> or the week before's episode or the week before that's episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I need to explain <laughs> what happened from my perspective. Yeah. Okay. J- Jeff Kanata on last week's episode of the podcast mentions Sarah Pauly's brilliant new film, Woman Talking. And he tentatively referred to it as her directorial debut. Now, I knew for a fact it was not her directorial debut. And I jumped in and said, well, I I know she's directed at least one other excellent movie called Stories We Tell. So I wanted to chime in and say, well, she's directed at least one other movie called Stories We Tell. Now, I think in in the the lizard brain moment from Jeff is wrong, like David Chen thinks Jeff is wrong to me opening my mouth, I think that got jumbled. And I probably said something along the lines of stories we tell is Sarah Pauly's directorial debut. Ah, uh-huh, that, that was uh-huh. not my intention, but right, 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 in right. my in my haste, in my excitement, in my zeal, in my zest to correct Jeff Kanata, you know, we we must, folks, we must be uh, be assured that when we are trying to correct evil, we do not become it, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. last week I failed that test. Yeah, as many people. Uh, point yeah. out that's the only reason i said it is so we could all learn yeah. something dave yeah. and <laughs> it's a free episode challenge based on challenge. your your grievous error uh mm-hmm. and my uh, expertly executed test i think we've learned all learned here something today and uh, you're welcome for that frankly you're welcome great great job well uh, many people pointed out that of course sarah Pauli has been directing films since 2006 her directorial debut was Away From Her, which was nominated for two Academy Awards, yeah. including one for Best Adapted Screenplay by Sarah Pauly. Uh, and yeah, so she's also directed a movie called uh, Take This Waltz as well. In addition she's to amazing. Stories yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, wanted to uh, correct the record on that. But yet again, a Jeff Kanata error has caused me to make an error. Yeah, Spi- spiraling out of control. Right? Yeah, uh, Jeff, you're out of control, man. You are I am? out of control. I'm it's, out of it's control? disrupting everything. It's like it's like uh, you know in a car race when one car just makes a bad move and then it ricochets and every, everyone's fallen. Everyone's crashed on the yes, track now. That's right. That's right. You're like the Formula One car that's spiraling out of control on the track. Um, 
Okay. Uh, I wish that was the last correction I had to make on this episode of the podcast. Uh-huh. But in fact, uh, last week I <laughs> received an email that I read on air. I'd never done this before. I was uh-huh. just like on a lark. I'm going to preemptively make sure we don't make a mistake on our Banshees of Inisherin review and don't pronounce uh, the the actor whose name begins with Barry uh, their name wrong during our review. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. somebody wrote in to slash filmcast.gmail.com. They said, hey, Barry K's name is pronounced Keowin. Keowin, right? I'm like, okay, that sounds plausible. So I read that on the air. <laughs> uh, in the Slack filmcast, some people were very uh, fortunate to point me to this, uh, or I was very fortunate that people directed me to this clip from the Ray Darcy show <laughs> in which the actor himself appears and then explains how his name is pronounced. I have a clip I'm going to play for you right now. Now, Mammal is a new mainly Irish movie, uh, which co-stars Barry Keoghan. Is it Keoghan or Keoghan? Keoghan. Keoghan, neither yeah. before mentioned, yeah. <laughs> because people, it depends on where you are in the country. K-E-O-G-H-A-N. Keoghan. Gilgan, folks. I, I love the way he says it. The only safe <laughs> name correction is the person yes. saying oh, the 100%. name themselves. That's the 100%. only way to roll. Yeah. 100%. And yet, I've been tagged as the person wildly out of control, careening into the sides of the walls of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Jeff. Huh. That's true, Jeff. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. That, is a, that is a fact. Yeah. Mm. That is a fact. Seems demonstrably false, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Hopefully, that is all the things we got wrong in last week's episode of the podcast. And we should move on from there before I test my luck further. Well, there was one other thing, but we won't talk about it, I guess. (laughs) What are you referring to? I texted you because you called uh, Wonder Man Marvel Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, oh, we're not going to talk about it. Wildly out of control, careening into the sides. (laughs) Okay, okay. I mean, Devendra is right that in the after... (laughs) In the After Dark, I accidentally uh, (laughs) called the character that we discussed in the After Dark this week uh, Uh Marvel Man instead of Wonder Man. I I just want to be completely transparent with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Devendra. And, you know, people also pointed out that I accidentally put an image not of Wonder Man or Marvel Man, but of Miracle Man in the uh, the, uh, After Dark post. Yes, I did notice that, too. I did. Oh, man. Okay. Someone is definitely out of control. Mm. Mm. Marvel Man, by the way, Marvel Man is a fascinating case yeah. study in yeah. uh, in uh, creator rights. <laughs> it's a fascinating mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. We don't have to mm-hmm. go into it, but uh, really interesting. Uh, I have a Marvel Man number one in my dad's attic somewhere. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for all the corrections, folks, is, is kind of what I'm trying to say. And of course, if you want to watch David Chen make grievous posting errors on the After Darks, Patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive after darks. Boy, have we had a lot of fun talking about <laughs> random topics. Like in this past week, what to do if uh, your friend's child destroys your OLED television mm, uh, yeah. by accident? You know, what what is the social mm-hmm, social mm-hmm. action that you should take at that point? Anyway. Okay. Uh, there is one bit of film news I want to talk with you guys before we get into what we've been watching. And that is wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, you should also mention to folks, if you are a subscriber to the Patreon, you're getting a bonus bit of video this week. Are you it's not? True. Or they, mm. they they will have gotten it by the time they're oh. listening to this. Yes. They will they, they time travel is hard. Yeah. That's what we learned. But yes, you will have already 
gotten it in the future. Yes, patreon.com slash film podcast. Check the site and you will see a, a fun little little bonus video uh, that uh, will explain some of the stuff going on in the podcast. These days. A little behind so, the scenes, a little, little behind, uh, the scenes. behind the curtains. Yes. Little, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bonus. Exactly. All right. So before we uh, get to what we've been watching, there is one major piece of news that I wanted to get your take on. And that is, here is the headline at deadline.com from October 23rd. So this is from a couple weeks ago, but it's still relevant. Uh, headline says, Secret Star Wars film from Damon Lindelof and Lucasfilm sets Miss Marvel's Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy as director. End quote. Right? I like everything. If there's about a headline that. in Deadline years <laughs> uh-huh. before the movie comes out. Is it secret? Mm. That's I was going to say, it's weird to call it a secret if it's well, a headline. It's not a secret okay. now because we yeah. broke the story, baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I am kind of curious. Right. So here's what we know about it is that mm-hmm. there's apparently been many different projects, uh, Star Wars projects in the work at uh, at Lucasfilm. And this is like one of the ones that seems to have the, the most momentum. Is this one that Damon Lindelof uh, is working on? Uh, I'm going to quote from the article here. Quote, insiders say the script is still being written, which means production is likely far out. Um, sources, add, <laughs> sources add it was important to Lucasfilm and Lindelof that a director be bought on, uh, brought on so that the person's own vision for where they see the story gets included in the script. Mm-hmm. As for what the film is focused on, that will remain under wraps as this project remains one of the more guarded secrets in Hollywood. Uh, still feels a way off, and uh, and also obviously this article acknowledges. As for Obey Chinoy, the highly sought after director continues to build on her strong ties with Disney after successfully directing several episodes of Miss Marvel for uh, Marvel Studios. Uh, she is best known for directing her Oscar-winning documentary shorts Saving Face and A Girl in the River: The Price of Forgiveness. Uh, the Oscar and Emmy award-winning director also recently committed to directing Paramount's adaptation of Brilliance, which is being developed as a, a starring vehicle for Will Smith. End quote. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I've also heard like there's other people potentially working in the writer's room with him in the yeah. One of the people yeah. that worked on station 11 is working with him. The guy who adapted station 11, yeah. Patrick Somerville, who I've been very excited by everything he's done basically. So yes, exciting. The thing that's so fascinating about the, the Star Wars franchise right now is in terms of TV, my sense is they're doing great. Right, like mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, super popular. Andor, in my opinion, is the best show mm-hmm. on television. Something for everybody. I think that's yes. the best way you can describe Star Wars TV right now. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. from Andor a film perspective, is truly exceptional. Mm-hmm. It Magnificent. is truly yeah. exceptional. Uh, like I, I watch a lot of TV, um, and of all the things I'm watching, Andor is my by far my favorite. I'm not mm-hmm. saying the other things are bad. I'm just saying like Andor mm-hmm. is really, really mm-hmm. great. So. TV is, uh, the TV landscape is great from a Star Wars perspective, but uh, the movies, I feel like, are in a pretty rough state right now. Uh, here, here are some reasons I say that, okay? First of all, you have all these splashy announcements of people that are going to be working on the movies. Um, remember that that video with Patty Jenkins doing the Rogue mm-hmm. Squadron movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which, as far as we know, like I, I don't know where that is at this point. Um, Ryan Johnson directing a trilogy. Benioff and Weiss from... Uh, Game of Thrones doing some Star Wars movies. None of that has come to pass, nor do I believe it has any momentum at this point. Yeah, the Rogue Squadron movie has been delayed, yeah. according to the latest reports. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't have any confidence we'll see that mm-hmm. in the near future. They probably um, want to be careful, right? Like, I think the whole lead up to Rise, Rise of Skywalker and kind of the aftermath, like that movie made a ton of money. But I think even Lucasfilm and Disney were like, "Oh, 
yeah, people aren't liking some of this. Like maybe we should be more careful about how we're doing it. Uh, the Lindelof news is so exciting because I feel like every show he has touched recently has been a freaking masterpiece. So, yeah. Jeff, I forget. Did you, were you into Watchmen when we t- talked about that or? Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was, uh, was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I hear his name and I still think lost. Like, yeah, that's just sure. what I still think. And, and, but he's proven himself uh, time and time again as being a, a really interesting creator. And uh, this, you know, I think all all Star Wars news I take with a grain of salt now because mm-hmm. of the reasons yeah. you guys have already enumerated. It's it's yeah, it's this is in the script writing process. Probably who knows if it's going to be a movie at mm-hmm. this point. It's so it, Deadline says secret Marvel project. No, unannounced, way too early to talk about Mar- Star mm-hmm, Wars project mm-hmm. is what it is. The deadline and, story should end with uh, don't tell anybody. It's a secret, <laughs> yeah. please. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, th- this is the kind of thing where it could very, like Rogue Squadron and, and lots of other of these projects, it could very well not happen because it's mm-hmm. it's gestating. Uh, and uh, so I again, I, I don't want to get too excited. Uh, I think these creators are creators I have liked the work of. And so I'm encouraged and I would be excited for them to work on a Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, until we get an official announcement and even then until we, you know, until it's in production, I'm not going to get too hyped I I just imagine they're going to be very careful, right? Like after everything that happened with that initial wave of Star Wars movies where they were like, yeah, what a year, right? Star Wars, Star Wars everywhere, all the time. Solo, this one, that one. And then, yeah. yeah, Solo happened. And then, which was yet didn't make as much money as they wanted right like those are issues in rogues uh rise of skywalker and all the issues around that so i can imagine them being careful uh it's completely fair jeff and in general we Mm -hmm. we don't you know you you'll notice if you listen to the film cast that we don't like talk about all the speculation uh every week at the top of the show Mm -hmm. the the reason i do bring this one up is it does seem like it has some momentum um beyond it has more, more momentum than ryan johnson's like you know, Star Wars trilogy, mm-hmm. I would argue, right? This feels real um, in a yeah. way. Uh, yeah, but so, I mean, it, it sounds like, it sounds like um, this director is going to be doing a different movie first, right? A, a whole other movie with yeah. Will Smith first. So yeah. it's like, I'm not going to get too excited. Uh, making a movie cost, it takes multiple years. Yeah, 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 that's true. So, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, the, uh, here's uh, some more detail from Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Lindelof is writing the new Star Wars with Justin Britt Gibson a young and rising writer who worked as an executive story editor on Guillermo del Toro's vampire drama, The Strain. And Counterpart. And Counterpart, yep. Um, Counterpart is fantastic, man. And the other thing is that, uh, like, as as for, like, when the movie will take place and, like, what it theoretically is going to be about, um, it's going to take place after the events of Rise of Skywalker, uh, although it would not be a continuation of the Skywalker saga, it could, however, feature some of the characters from the Star Wars trilogy made in the 2010s. We should call it Settle of Skywalker. <laughs> First it rises, then it settles. And then you can eat it. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Wow. The cooling. The yeah, cooling. the cooling. The Skywalker. Um, I guess I am curious, like, if you guys have any thoughts on what you would want to see in the next Star Wars movie. You know, I, I think that mm-hmm. for me personally... I am really glad it w- will not be like from what we know of this movie that may or may not happen. Very fair, Jeff. Right. Um, it will not be a continuation of the Skywalker saga. And I think that is a great thing. Like I, it should, sure. 
we're I think we have seen enough of the Skywalkers in movie form personally. Um, Agreed. It is funny that the last movie it w- with Skywalkers is called The Rise of Skywalkers. <laughs> <laughs> here comes it's here comes more Skywalkers. We're not doing any more Skywalkers. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's so much you could do, but yeah, go ahead, Jeff. No, I I I am so encouraged in in a way that I have have been not been in literal decades. Well, I don't know. I loved I loved uh, Last Jedi, but. I am encouraged by Andor in a way that it, 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 it's you say, what, what do I want to see post uh, Rise of Skywalker uh, Andor? I want to see <laughs> the lessons that yeah. I, I have taken yeah. from Landor, I, from Andor. I hope uh, land on them. And I hope that um, it, not not in the sense of, you know, how it's a pre I mean, Andor is still a prequel, right? To the original uh, New Hope. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um not in that sense, not in a plot sense, in a richness of universe, a diversity of, of, of uh, ideas, it just in, in how that show sh- has proven that you can layer on really interesting things in the Star Wars universe that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, love, I mean, really, what we're just asking for is more Tony Gilroy shit. Like, whatever yeah. he touches is just like, uh, I'm going to be interesting somehow. I don't know if you can really capture the magic of Andor in a movie, because even just looking at this thing, right? Like, it takes several episodes to get going, and then episode three is fantastic. But what's the magic yeah. of Andor is that you're building on those characters for many, many more episodes, right? Like, you're, you're getting to understand this, like, um, real shitbird of a character who's stuck at home with his mom eating cereal, you know, like uh, it's doing interesting things that it's really tough for a movie to do. I personally would just love to explore the rest of this universe, the rest of this timeline, give us some old Republic stuff. Do do the sort of like rings of power things and, you know, go, go back thousands of years in time mm. and see mm. what you could do with this universe. Cause yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff. It just, we, we have been so beholden to one family for so long. It's been <laughs> tough to really branch out. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I remember, Jeff, listening to you discuss The Last of Us Part Two on DLC podcast, and you were saying the graphics for The Last of Us Part Two on PS4 are so good, it's almost problematic. That's, mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. you said with the words mm-hmm. you used. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's so, it's so good, it's problematic, is because it's like as good as next gen. Like, so it's like, then yeah. why, why have next gen? Like, that's how right. good the graphics in The Last of Us Part Two were. That's kind of how I feel about Andor. It's so good, it's problematic because... You want when you go see a movie, you want big screen drama that's like big budget that you can't get at home. And honestly, yes, like there, like Andor doesn't have like massive space fights in the way that Star Wars, but it does not look low budget at all, in my opinion. No right? way. It, lo- yeah. it looks like real, like at least medium budget, and it looks like really there's some really compelling action in the show. And so it's like, um, it, it's gonna be really tough for them to be <laughs> to make something that like feels event like enough that it is like there's a reason you should go to the theater to see this mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. as opposed to watching andor at home you know as opposed I to andor season two you know what really makes me excited about the lindelof just just news or whatever this is is his writers rooms have been really interesting because watchman wasn't just him he had like a great collection of people who have like helped craft that show and make it something truly amazing and like making a sequel to the to watchman feels like you know, feels like a miracle making a successful one. And one that kind of like is honoring the earlier story while doing something new. So 
I feel like a mind like Lindelof is, is kind of the one we need for this right now. Um, but yeah, people will always go back to the Lost thing. Forgetting when Lost was good. Forgetting when there was nothing else on TV like it at the time. And the freaking network made them go too long. But, you know. Uh, well, I'm he's excited. also he's also made two, in my opinion, stone cold masterpieces. Since masterpieces. Then, yeah. Uh, which is The Leftovers and Watchmen. Right? Yes. So, yeah. Anyway. Not wrong. Uh, those are uh oh, go ahead Jeff. I'll just i'll just say one last time i know i've said it many times it's it's a it's one of my favorite quotes and i quote it <laughs> probably too much but big time hollywood director dan trachtenberg once said mm-hmm. to me most shit doesn't happen <laughs> so uh it's a good thing to not get too excited and in general we don't do that on on this podcast but yeah. this is notable enough and there's enough star wars stuff going on that i wanted to mention it on that note Last week, we put the challenge out to people to tweet at the Filmcast Pod your guesses for what movies you thought Dan Trachtenberg wants Jeff Kanata to watch. And what I can exclusively reveal here on this podcast is nobody got it right. Um, yes, nobody guessed the that's correct. correct. In fact, there have been a, a small handful of movies that he's been passionate for me to see uh, that aren't even this one, and nobody got any of them right. So well, here are some here are some guesses people had. Some uh, Mark guesses. I remember reading that 1996 is the pallbearer was one of Dan Trachtenberg's favorite movies. So that's my guess. Um, that's actually a, a really people, good guess. Yeah, a lot of Dan people guess. Some people guess Gattaca, which is actually upsetting that Jeff Kanata has not seen Gattaca yet. I have not seen um, Gattaca. Gonna put true. that out there. It's, oh my! It's, it's not only a brilliant movie, but a movie that I think Jeff Kanata would appreciate specifically. Yeah. Also, very relevant to many things happening right now. So yeah. Uh, Casablanca, uh, Chippendales Casablanca. Rescue Rangers. Um, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, the new one? Uh, I guess, yeah. Um, is, that, is that what that one was called? Or, I don't know. It's too yeah. recent for this yeah, I, to be I agree. apply. But also, that movie is brilliant! Uh, the, true, the new one. Yes, I think, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Steven Scarlatta writes, did Dan recommend the masterpiece Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? That's a good <laughs> one. Um, we should talk about that at some point. True No Limit says yeah. Dan's recommendation is Dust- Dunstan Checks In, the story of an unlikely friendship between a criminal <laughs> monkey and a lonely child. It's true um, that I have never seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. But anyway, no one got it right. So, so Jeff, do we want to give more of a clue as to what it is? Or what do, what do you think? Because the arrangement is if people guess the movie... Then we will record an, a bonus episode with Dan Trachtenberg about this movie. That Dan I suppose we could do watch. a clue. I don't want to. I don't want to come out and say it. What? what oh yeah. Oh, I agree. What I think clue? We should, I think we should slowly reveal. What clue what the movie would you uh, w- like a genre or what clue are, is well, your are you inclined was, to say? What I was gonna say last week before you shouted me down. Well, I might shout was, you down again because I don't want you to say it. I want I want to yeah. vet your clue. It was going to be I was going to time box it like time box mm. when the movie came out. People know it's older than fifteen years, yes. but I wanted to give people a sense of after at what point it came out. Okay, is that is that cool? After okay, yeah. I mean, well, I'll just say it took place within. Our lifetimes, right? It, it came yes. out within our lifetimes. Yes. So that, that, that's all I was going to say, right? Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's fair. So like that's, Casablanca wouldn't apply. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So uh, the next round of guessing, let it begin. <laughs> at the <laughs> Filmcast Pod uh, or slash filmcast.gmail.com. And if you guess this movie, you are A, a genius, and B, going to prompt us to do a bonus episode of Dan Trachtenberg. Which yeah. is always a lot you guys of fun. just never want to see this movie. Like that's that's what this is because <laughs> we're we're proceeding never to give any useful hints 
You know, well, like, it's early days. Any movie in our lifetimes, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, it is in our lifetimes, so that's that's something. <laughs> I mean, maybe next maybe next week we give the genre because uh-huh. that yeah, that oh, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. I don't All even right. think that would help with that yeah. movie, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. All right, well, that is some film news for you before we get on with the show. We'll take a break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back in a moment. Hey, it's Jeff jumping in here to tell you about our sponsor, Hunt a Killer. Do you like procedurals? You know, those cool murder cop shows, detectives on the case, figuring it out, putting the clues together, and hunting a killer. Well, now you can do that. You can do it. You can solve the mystery. You can find the murderer with Hunt a Killer. Every box of Hunt a Killer is a complete murder mystery that you have to solve. You're the detective. You get all the evidence and you go at your own pace to figure out who the killer is. This is, I'm telling you, such a cool alternative to just plopping down in front of the TV and watching something else. I love watching stuff. You know, this is the film cast. We love watching. But sometimes you want to switch it up and have an even better date night, an even better friend get together an even better activity that puts you at the heart of the narrative these are narrative mystery games books and other experiences these are really cool puzzles to figure out with your loved ones my wife and i love putting our brains together putting our little uh, detective caps on and uh, and hunting a killer. The items in the box are realistic. They feel authentic. They're cool. This isn't just read a thing and imagine it. It's there's physical stuff. You'll want to keep them when you're done. It's it's really cool. Plus, there's digital components which are fun. The games have milestones with a goal to accomplish and intricate details, which were crafted by a team of creators, writers, artists, and game designers, which make this really feel like this authentic experience. It's immersive, it's fun, it'll tease your brain. It's awesome. I urge you to check this out and try something new. Go to huntakiller.com slash filmcast and use the code filmcast for $10 off your order today. That is huntakiller, H-U-N-T-A-K-I-L-L-E-R.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T for $10 off. It's the promo code is FilmCast. You get your entire order, 10 bucks off. Thank you, Hunter Killer, for sponsoring this episode. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching this week. I watched a movie called After Sun this week. Have you guys heard about this movie? This yes, is a... I cannot, I I cannot on, wait to see it. Yeah, I saw it on, uh, on, on hashtag slash tag. Nice. Yes, I, I saw it on hashtag slash tag. After Sun is a new movie starring Paul Mescal, who uh, I think became very famous from his his... Uh, performance in Normal People on yes. Hulu. And you guys should watch that. Both of you. Yes, everybody should watch Normal People. After Sun is... Uh, I will... I'm going to reveal some very, very basic details about the movie, but I don't I don't consider them spoilery at all. Um, but uh, it's about the relationship between Paul Mescal uh, and his daughter, uh, the character that Paul Mescal plays on his daughter during a vacation in Turkey uh, that they have. And I have heard this is one of the best films of the year. I've heard it's a masterpiece. Charlotte Wells's directorial debut. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning it on this podcast is because I think there's probably going to be a lot of people out there that will enjoy this movie. 
and that will like it and will also agree that it is a masterpiece and uh and it's probably something that you should check out i believe it's available in limited release right now and we'll be uh we'll probably have uh uh, be expanding wider in the in the weeks to come, and we'll probably hit video on demand sometime in the next month or two. Um, so after Sun, sounds name like of the a movie butt, though sounds like a butt's coming. <laughs> I did not much enjoy the movie, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to like it, Davindra. I think this is a movie you will love, Jeff. I'm fifty fifty on you in terms of whether mm-hmm, you'll like mm-hmm. it or not. Um, but this is just not a movie I enjoyed. Um, it's uh, most of the movie, the vast majority of the movie, you're you're kind of hanging out with uh, Paul Mescal's character and and his daughter on on this vacation, and and that's most of the movie. I'm I'm under like people who like the movie will say I'm like underselling it, but that was my experience of watching it. There's some really interesting directorial choice, choices made, um, flashing back and forward in time, and and some uh, some pretty uh, great cinematography throughout the movie, but. It's just not, mm-hmm. it wasn't for me at this point in time. I just saw, I feel really bad about this. I'm trying to like minimize my opinion about it because I just saw um, uh, one of the Daniels from Everything Everywhere All at Once tweet about it this week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So he thought it was a stone cold masterpiece as well. Um, so I think a lot of people will like this movie, but I have to be honest about my own reaction and say, I got very little out of this movie, except I thought Paul Muscal was awesome. In the movie. He, like, he's incredible. He, yeah did an amazing job portraying this father figure who uh, doesn't have it all together, has a lot of regrets and is kind of working through some of his issues. Um, He's hiding and suppressing a lot of anguish I sense in the movie. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it was worth watching just for Paul Mescal alone. But other than that, man, I really wanted to like it. You know, I I heard great things. I saw that slash tag tweet. What would you compare it to? Because I know this movie, um, uh, Barry Jenkins is one of the producers. Yeah, he's one of the, I think he's an exec producer. Yeah, and I know he's been really pushing Charlotte Wells as well. Like he is a huge fan of her work. I, from the things I've read, it made it sound like it was a bit like if Beale Street could talk, you know, or the quieter parts of Moonlight. Is it that vibe of film, you think? Kind of. It reminded me more of like Patterson. Divinity, oh man, you know? yeah. which you, which I is a love, movie that you like, you know, it's kind of like hey, I we're just Patterson. we're kind yeah. of spending time with these characters, and it's it's all about these in between moments. <laughs> it's not it's not like big events happening in these characters' yeah. lives. It's yeah. about like the in between moments where we're hanging out with them for a quiet mm-hmm. moment and and pondering existence or their relationship or whatever. You know, like that's kind of what it. But yes, uh, I mean, I loved Moonlight. I loved if Beale Street could talk. Like those are movies I was a huge fan of. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I like that kind of movie, but just this one, unfortunately, didn't connect. That said, I, I do look forward to what Charlotte Wells does next. But After Sun is the name of the movie. And uh, I think a lot of people will like it. Devendra, I think you will definitely like it. Yeah, um, it, it, but... it sounds like my vibes, especially the Patterson comparison. You know what other Barry Jenkins project you like, Dave? <laughs> What's that, Devendra? What's the that? Underground Railroad on what? Amazon Prime right now. I don't think I've ever heard you mention this before. No. That's weird. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for that recommendation. Uh, but after Sun, uh, out in limited release, it's one of the things that I've been watching this week. It is. I, I just. I need to just reemphasize. This is a massively critically acclaimed movie that, like, many people are like, this is the best film of the year. So, um, 
basically ignore everything I personally said about it's, it. It's okay to disagree. It's fine. It's totally fine. We get it. it it's 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 rare. I think it's I'm used to disagreeing with Dave like the has likes. bad taste. Yes. Move on. Right. Let's move on. I'm used to disagreeing with the likes of like Davinder and Jeff, but like yeah, yeah. the entirety of the critical film critical people you respect, <laughs> but people I respect that is much more mm. odd to me, and therefore. Uh, it's it's the volume of people that like love this movie that I'm just like ooh I I don't like to kind of put my uh, opposing view out there but anyway when that's you after Sun. when you said uh, it's it's sort of a hangout in between moments kind of a movie I immediately yeah. thought of Columbus which oh we yeah yeah also yeah, good. The, the yeah, yeah. Good. movie yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I think you loved that didn't you yeah I I think that honestly After Sun is a little more I, I did like Columbus and I think After Sun is a little bit more ambitious even than that movie in terms of what it's trying <laughs> to say about time and and so on. And I've read many essays like analyzing the movie, you know, like there, there's a lot to there's a lot in the movie after Sun that's not said um, and that you as the viewer need to piece together. It makes you work. This is a movie that kind of makes you try to understand what is going on. Um, but ultimately, I just didn't connect with it. Uh, and, you know, it's and hard, if, hard, to know, hard to know why you connect with something and, mm-hmm. and why you don't. You know, Jeff, 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 some people point out, you know, I was uh, some people pointing out like. Um, you were talking last week about decision to leave and how yeah. uh, you didn't, you couldn't connect with it emotionally because you're like, these people suck. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but uh, you just finished complimenting tar, a movie about someone who sucks kind of, you it's know? true. Uh, or, or that also has tons of people who suck, you know? And it's true. Yeah. So it's, it's just true. like, sometimes you can't explain, like there's no real yeah. like logical explanation, but it's just like, yeah, I, um, the, the, the movie wasn't, didn't move at a pace that that mm-hmm. caught my attention or wasn't interesting enough for me personally. Um, but I'm not detracting from anyone who got a lot out of it. So that's After Sun. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Now that you've opened that can of worms, I need to comment on it because yes. uh, I feel like Tar <laughs> is is not asking you to relate to Tar necessarily. Not asking you to mm-hmm. sort of uh, fall in love with Tar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. Ask, you're being asked to judge her. Uh, and I think that uh, Decision to Leave kind of wants you to fall in love with its characters. And, I think and that's fair. Root I for think them. that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let me talk about something else I've been watching. <laughs> On the complete opposite end of the spectrum is a movie called God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. What a title. This is a movie on Hulu, <laughs> and it basically tells the story of, I don't know if you guys recall, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, was involved with a pool boy, and this story, or his, he and his wife oh, man. were sexually- You know what, Dave? I, I had like pushed this story- into yeah. a corner of my mind, <laughs> yeah. just like packed it away, like like you know something you move and you you never open that box, something yeah. that's unnecessary and not unnecessary. helpful to anyone's life. Yeah, now, uh-huh, now you're uh-huh. opening that box. Please proceed. Yes, thank proceed. you. Um, so this tells the story of what happened when Jerry Falwell and his wife became involved with uh, a pool boy in Florida named Giancarlo Granda, and the main coup of this documentary is it's Giancarlo Granda's side of the story. Like he is the main interviewee. He's telling the story from his perspective. Why am I interested in this movie or this story? I mean, first of all, there are tons of salacious details in the movie. So if you're, that's what you're looking for, you will get that. But the movie tries to relate this story more broadly with the fact that Jerry Falwell Jr., very powerful person on the Christian right endorsed Donald Trump at a critical moment. And it tries to say like, 
that it tries to make the case that his endorsement of Trump was critical to Trump winning the nomination and eventually the election. Um, and, uh, but, but the reason like why I, I'm personally interested you guys probably know that I grew up in a very conservative Christian environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that the story of people like Jerry Falwell Jr. is ultimately really sad and tragic. Now, on the one hand, I do believe that people like Jerry Falwell Jr. have used their power and their retrograde the belie- retrograde beliefs to inflict suffering and misery upon many people and that is really sad and unfortunate uh and and I, I you know i'm not saying anything is excused by what we see in the movie on the other hand it's very clear that uh jerry falwell and his wife had sexual preferences had sexual longings that could not be fulfilled under the constraints of a publicly Christian relationship. So they sought out a way to do it and they tried to keep it secret. And it was with the secrecy uh, and the lies that, you know, is what created, like it led, led to a breaking point, right? If they were able to live their lives out in the open, none of this stuff would have happened, but they're not because they come from the evangelical Christian side of, of things. And so it's ultimately like a sad story to me about mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of people, many of them Christians are really closed minded about sex and, and what people want. I mean, uh, especially for, the Falwell family, like let's not, oh, totally. it's not just Christianity. It's like they spend their daily lives persecuting people who aren't yeah. up to snuff for them. So like that's, that makes it even grosser to that's me. The hypocrisy that makes it, makes it less of a, yes. I mean, this person, not just his father, but this, this person was vocal in mm-hmm. condemning these kinds of things that they were participating in. in right? And, and, and Liber- Liberty yeah. University has like very strict rules about sexual behavior and drinking. And, um, and Jerry Falwell this, Jr. was like clearly mm-hmm. flouting all those rules a lot of the time. And so that's why I, I don't have much sympathy. It's, mm-hmm. it, oh, it, yeah. it is a tragic idea that oh, you can't live by your own rules, but then guess what? You're, part of the person making yeah. part of the group making You're the rules. You're the empire that's feeling so much <laughs> hatred in this country. Man, yeah, totally, it is totally. tough. I, I, it's, yeah. it's I'm, sorry, thing... I'm sorry. By the way, I'm sorry yeah, if yeah. I came across as having sympathy. I, no, I do no, think... No. I do, you can't you know, have sympathy for monsters. Like, absolutely. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, you can. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to have sympathy. I just think it's like, ultimately, like, my feeling is not, grr, I hate Jerry Falwell Jr. so much. It's like, more like, yeah. uh, I'm just sad. I'm sad that this is the situation that we're all in. That mm-hmm. they they are doing, the, you know, Falwell Sr., probably very, um, uh, very cr- instrumental in Roe v. Wade getting overturned. You know, Absolutely. Like, and, and that, which is like inflicting horrifying pain and suffering upon like many, many uh, people in this country right now. And, uh, and so, the idea that they are like are again, as you said, putting forward these rules and then not adhering to the, it themselves, um, they just shouldn't be putting forward the, the rules in the first exactly. place. They should oh, just this, let people live their is, own lives. You know, example after example after yes. example of the people who are most vocally uh, in support of of repressing behavior in others, mm-hmm. doing living out those behaviors in their own lives. It's interesting. Did you it's, did you learn anything new from this movie, Dave? Like that's my question. Like, is uh, it interesting? Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. You you, you get it from uh, Giancarlo Grandes perspective, which I you, you, we got a little bit of in the news. Um, I, I and, do feel for him. In he also has thing, the yeah. he also has the receipts, which are like mm-hmm. clearly shown in the movie to to great impact. Um, here's another great thing about the movie, guys. It's a movie. 
it's not a six-part Netflix miniseries. <laughs> it is one hour and like 45 mm-hmm. or one hour, 50 minutes long. And I, I think it probably supports r- around that runtime. And you got to admire a movie that just uh, gets in and out of there. And it's like, hey, we're done. That's all we wanted to say. So I seem to remember somebody putting uh, a 10-hour OJ documentary series as a movie on their mm. list. Mm. Huh. Wow. That's true. That must have been a really different time, Jeff. It's an odd <laughs> stance to take. You must, know? Have, must have been in an entirely different era of our lives when <laughs> every movie that we saw in the theater wasn't two hours and 40 minutes long. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's great to get things from his perspective. I, I, I think if you follow the story really closely, uh, you probably won't learn that much. But uh, I didn't follow the story that closely. I, I kind of heard vaguely, oh, there's a pool boy thing. And then Jerry Falwell Jr. resigned. This gives you the entire backstory. Um, and I do think it's interesting. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying I'd recommend it. It's, it is real. I was going to tweet about it, actually. Um <laughs> I was I was gonna tweet about this movie, like ask it like a funny salacious question. And there are some racy details in the movie that even like I felt uncomfortable tweeting about, which like I'm just I'm really pretty comfortable tweeting about almost anything. And I was yeah. I, I was basically Twitter gonna Twitter poll. How do y'all feel about threesomes? Huh? Uh, that was literally gonna Yay be the question. It, it was literally gonna be something along those lines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um is like, is what is depicted in the movie qualify <laughs> as a threesome? But it was so <laughs> graphic in the movie that I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna say that. Um uh-huh. so it made even someone like me blush. Um, just putting that out there. So anyway, God forbid the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. It's available on Hulu. If you want to know the backstory and more about the hypocrisy yeah. of the religious right, check it out. I'm all for sex scandals destroying aging dynasties, please. <laughs> all right. That's what I've been watching. Devinder Hardware, what have you been watching? I want to shout out another show that you guys will probably never watch, and that is The Good Fight, season six, which is nearing its end, and I have been talking about the show forever because, uh, again, I love everything by Robert and Michelle King. I think they're making some of the best TV around. Um, Just want to say, like, this season has been particularly kind of wild and all over the place um, because... It is, this is a show that always is like in the moment. And one thing that's happening in this season of The Good Fight is there is a massive protest happening outside the law office uh, that the series is set in. And it's just like consistent warfare. It is, it is a protest that is so large. It almost looks like a scene from Athena, you know, it's just happening every day. And it's almost like the show has gone into full almost like surreal territory too. And that's also helped by the fact that uh, one of the main characters, uh, Christine Baranski's character is like experimenting with like uh, psychedelic drug treatment and stuff too. It's a show that's going all over the place, but it has a lot to say about the world today. And I think it's freaking fantastic. And this season in particular is great because the goat, the greatest of all time, Andre Brower is in this season um, because he's yeah, what Brooklyn nine, nine is done, right? He's not doing much else right now. He is playing a sort of like evangelical Christian lawyer who's also like a huge clout chaser in a way too. Like he believes in his brand, but also the way he delivers his uh, his court speech, you know, his court uh, the, the takes in the way he talks to people is very much like from the the Southern Baptist like preacher, you know, uh, vibe. Basically, he is fantastic. He is phenomenal. He is just like tearing it apart on the show. So. You know if you have to you know what you have to do if you want to watch the good fight you have to um you have to watch like uh h- however many seasons of the good wife there were 
It's like 10 seasons. And uh, we're on season six of The Good Fight now, folks, so just catch up. Uh, I will say you, you don't have to do that. You don't. There, there do are that. 156 episodes yes. of The Good Wife. Yes. yes. Right? You don't have to do that. The Good Fight is a full-on spinoff of The Good Wife. There are some returning characters. Christine Baranski's character is returning. Um, but it also fully exists as its own thing. And I think it is possible to just start watching the the good fight because it is it's a sharper show. It um it was on CBS All Access, so they could actually swear and be a little more salacious than The Good Wife, which was on you know plain CBS. But it's very good and very sharp. And I think the smartest thing about Trump era US that that has been produced. So everybody should be watching it. So glad the season is is strong. This is also the last season, so I'm not sure what the Kings are up to next. Um, but it's it's so good. This is one of the best shows on TV and few people outside of like TV reviewers, you know, and hardcore Good Wife fans are really talking about it. No matter how much we bring it up to our friends, we just seem to be ignored. I don't I don't know what's up with that. But anyway, The Good Fight season six. It's fantastic. Start at season one. These are short seasons, like 10 episodes. Um, but it's just like good writing. If you miss like exciting courtroom dramas and crazy cases and great character actors as well. Uh, Alan Cumming also like returns for the, in the season a bit because he was a major character on The Good Wife. Um, it's worth checking out. And if you get hooked on The Good Fight, The Good Wife is still freaking fantastic. I have a friend who's catching up on The Good Wife right now. And that was like old school CBS show where it was like over 20 episodes per season. You know, like, so uh, they really built it up. But almost every episode, uh, I have people tw- tweeting me being like, this is so insanely well-written. Why is nobody talking about the show? I, I don't know, folks. The Good Wife was maybe a hard sell because of its title and because it was on CBS. But The Good Fight right now is on Paramount+. Plus. It's just right there. It's easy to catch up on. It has some of the best writing right now. So check out The Good Fight. All right. That's The Good Fight Season 6 airing right now on mm-hmm. Paramount+. Plus. And that is what Devinger has been watching. Let's take a quick break. Talk about a sponsor. We'll be right back with more of what we've been watching. It's time to talk about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. You ever, uh, you ever search for something online that you wouldn't want others knowing about? You ever, you ever search for? You know what I've done? I've uh, in building Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. I've, I've searched for some grisly things that I, you know, I didn't want to get on any lists. And I know what most of you are thinking. Why don't you just go incognito mode, Jeff? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something fictional person asking me that question incognito mode does not hide your activity it doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history your internet service provider can still see your every website every single website you've ever visited and that is why even when i'm at home i use express vpn a vpn ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. It doesn't matter who your ISP is. Internet service providers in the United States can legally sell your information to ad companies. And ExpressVPN keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I, I can't even tell... ExpressVPN is on. It's fast. It's seamless. It runs in the background, and it's so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even smart TVs. There's no excuse for you not using it. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit 
our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash filmcast. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash filmcast, expressvpn.com slash filmcast to learn more. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, it turns out my Roku device <laughs> has original content, you guys. What? That's a little weird. That's what? a little weird of it's it. The, it's the little box that I use to uh, watch other channels. Uh, the box. The box has been making content. This is shocking <laughs> to me. Uh, well, I actually, get... not, not even the box. The app, Roku itself. Yeah. You don't even need the box. You could just watch on the Roku app. That's the whole point. thing. I my, under, my understanding is they all the Quibi stuff is on there, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Is that true? All your favorite Quibi shows. Yeah. Uh, finally, I can catch up on my quibs. <laughs> yep. That's right, Jeff. <laughs> so, Jeff, what have you been enjoying on the Roku app slash box this week? Well, there is a brand new movie that just debuted that I have been so excited about, you guys. It is uh -huh. weird. The Al Yankovic story. Uh, I, it, I grew up in the 80s. And I was a nerd. And those two facts, I would say, lead to the Venn diagram of being a Weird Al fan. There's, I, I don't know of any kid that mm -hmm. was a truly mm -hmm. nerdy in the 80s. Yeah. And that he was, was a hero. He's a hero. You know, he's the the he's, yeah. he, is, he is the best of us. He really is. And uh, I, you know, I, I memorized large swaths of UHF, the, move, the, the, Weird, the Weird Al movie from the 80s. Uh, and, and guys, weirdly, weirdly, no pun intended, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I have introduced my kids to Weird Al's music. Uh, and the strangest, it's the strangest situation as to why it's because sad passing of Coolio, we put on man, gangster paradise. And I went, Oh, you guys, if you like this song, <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna love Amish paradise. You, you've got a lot to explain, Daddy. What are Amish? Yeah, like what? Are, what are so many things we're we're talking about in this song? I, yeah, I, you know what? It's so funny. No questions were asked, but my son loves Amish paradise. No mm -hmm. context. Doesn't understand it. Still thinks it's funny because you know he talks about how you know how he's you know plowing the fields and you know I'm much more devout than thou art and all it's, it's <laughs> funny it's a funny song even if you have no idea what he's talking about and i think that's a lot of of weird al is it's a it's a brand of humor that is all too rare these days there's still pockets of just stupid humor you know he dares to be stupid dares to be stupid um and i love it i love i love that mad magazine stupid humor i've i'm a, i've always mm -hmm. been a sucker mm -hmm. for it i've always been a huge fan of weird al and weird, the Al Yankovic story, it, we finally get uh, a chance to see how he came up with all those songs, his torrid love affair with Madonna, and how he single-handedly took down Pablo Escobar. This, this sounds like something. Wow. So yeah. yeah. I have been wondering how that happened. Yeah. Just like real life. Yeah. Just like real life. Uh, it, it, no, I mean, all those things happen in the movie, but it is uh, joyously... Uh, absurd. It it skewers itself. It skewers him as a as a persona. It skewers the entire idea of musical biopics. It is gloriously stupid. And and I had so much fun with this movie. 
Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al. And, you know, there's much made of uh, when, when these when these music biopics happen. Yeah, we just heard we just saw the, the Elvis one. Right. And uh, the actor who played Elvis, like sang all the Elvis songs. And, and, and by all accounts, I haven't seen the movie, but by all accounts, did a fabulous job singing. Uh, and here we have Daniel Radcliffe. And every time he opens his mouth to sing in this in the song, it is actually Weird Al singing. <laughs> it's very, very wonderful the way they do it. Um, that's fun there are so many cameos in this movie it is amazing it's like all of weird al's friends there is this incredible scene where, you know do, famously weird Al was discovered quote unquote by dr demento i don't even, i'm sure people don't even know who dr demento is but when i was a kid dr demento put out these albums did this radio show where he would play you know tiny tim's tiptoe through the tulips or um uh, I think I'm going, uh, the, 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 uh, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. They're coming to take me away <laughs> to the funny farm. Um, like goofy, weird, wacky songs that as a kid, just like were the best thing ever. The only place you could hear him was Dr. Demento. And he famously discovered weird Al. Well, Dr. Demento is played by Rain Wilson in this movie. And there is a scene <laughs> where, uh, he invites weird Al to a pool party at his house, <laughs> which in in the you know playing on this notion of the musical biopic where someone you know is plucked from obscurity and brought mm -hmm. into the glorious mm -hmm. glamorous world of music well dr demento very much i probably didn't even have a pool or a house you know he was very much just this this radio <laughs> dj but in the context of this movie the the uh, dr demento pool house party has everyone from the 80s at it everyone love it, love it. and it's amazing because famous people now are playing famous people from the 80s. It's like a who's who. Like, mm. I mean, uh, Conan O'Brien plays Andy Warhol. Um, it, uh, it, it's it's incredible. It's like, it's just this amazing scene. And the whole movie is absurd, goofy. It goes way over the top. But it's also sort of sweet and fun. I I don't know... I don't know if people will like this if they w didn't live through the 80s because it is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is so 80s. Every reference, it's so Weird Al. It, like, there's jokes upon jokes of, you know, you got to know his music. And like, I mean, it. it I don't want to spoil anything because it does some really brilliant things with like turning itself inside out and, and making fun of the whole notion of parody songs. It's... It's really fun, fun, and it is exactly what I was hoping for from a Weird Al movie where it it is – it's almost like a parody song. It's a parody movie mm -hmm. of that genre. Like it's replacing the lyrics of these kinds of movies. Is it mm. the post-Walk Hard music biopic yeah. we've been waiting for? Like, I, that's was gonna, what I was going to say, yeah. is this like the next Walk Hard? It's, it sounds like it's different than that though a little it's bit. It's very different. It's very yeah. different than Walk Hard. It, it is yeah. much more – it's much more using uh, what we know of Weird Al as a as its fodder for jokes. Like mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. using your knowledge of the '80s of who these people are uh, as as fodder for jokes. And so, in that sense, I think it's really aimed at people who sort of are already fans of his. But there's enough just goofball, over the top, nutso stuff in it that I think um, anybody could have fun with it. But it is certainly aimed at a very narrow demographic of people who are coming to the Weird Al movie because they love Weird Al. All right. Um, well. Oh, that, oh I, one uh, other thing I want to say. <laughs> one other thing I want to say is 
you know, it, the movie makes a big deal about his relationship with his parents. And there's such a wonderful line at the very beginning of the movie that distills like every, every movie that has ever done that, you know, what, what makes like <laughs> earning the love of your parents. <laughs> the mom turns to him and goes, you know, uh, Al, um, it's just that we don't want you to be who you are or do any of the things you love. <laughs> That's awesome. It's That's so great. great. There's yeah. a great uh, episode of him with uh, with Jesse Thorne on Bullseye. That's also worth listening to because it, it dives into like what is what is actually real, you know, yeah. about his his upbringing. And everything. Yeah. And it does. Uh, it also does that thing. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it does that thing at the end of, mo of movies like this where it like shows the real pictures. But then it mm. also makes fun of that. It's just. Mm. It, it never stops being a joke. It's wonderful. All right. Uh, that's weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, I, I love lines like that in these these kind of parody movies that stick with you. For me, it's, Dewey Cox needs to think about his whole life before he plays, you know? um, <laughs> yeah. which is something that's said at the beginning of Walk Hard. And literally, like, in Elvis, the Basler movie, like, that's exactly what happened. It's not Elvis that's thinking about his whole life, but it's right. someone yeah. else thinking about his yeah. life. Anyway, but it's like, I don't know why people love that trope in movies, but... It is the it is the way it is, but weird. The, the oh sorry, go ahead, Jeff. The, the the only last thing I'll say about this experience of watching this movie is is um, with the caveat that I didn't do any research about this, but I will say uh, I turned on my my Roku box and I played this movie, and I don't know if there's a way to watch it without commercials, but it yeah. was not great watching it with commercials i'll say that. i mean that's 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 the roku thing that's the roku channel is it's, commercials it's yeah. a roku promise jeff it's roku a, what, is, what, what is it that you have this yeah. original programming that can only be watched in one way and that way that's what they want is a commercial it, would you rather pay another five to ten dollars a month for the roku original programming including quibi jeff no no <laughs> no no so you watch the damn ads i you guess watch your ads if you like you it take it's, your medicine jeff it's okay, so yeah. unfortunate. It feels like, well, if you're going to do ad-based content that's original, maybe make it in a way that, you know, like how TV shows used to be made with ad breaks in mind. It just, yeah. an ad yeah. would just oh. happen in the middle of I this see, movie. I see. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Oh I, oh, I see. I see how it is, Jeff. Um, you just want people to just give movies away for free. <laughs> you know, like they grow on trees or something like that. And mm -hmm. just people just picking tree, movies off of trees, just handing them out at the market. Like they're free, right? That That's what you're looking for, Jeff? Is that what, I mean, what's mm -hmm. going on? Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that a possibility? Can we do that? That's what, that's what you're looking for? Dave, uh, what is the acronym for ad-based streaming video? Uh, I believe it is actually uh, FVOD. Like F -VOD. Yeah, yeah that's how I felt. Yeah. I felt like I got FVODed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's weird, the Al Yankovic story. You can watch it with the assuring presence of revenue-generating ads mm -hmm. over on yeah. the Roku app or the Roku box. Uh, Jeff Canato, what else have you been watching? Well, uh... My my continued uh, love and reverence for the hashtag slash tag is 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 assured, guys. It, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. I know that I flirted with uh, w with disillusionment, and yeah. it, it was touch and go there for a while. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But our audience is awesome, and people have rallied and and said, "Hey, hey, I'll bring I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back." The hashtag slash tag, and and I've been very delighted with the uh, quality level of the recommendations. And there's a number of of movies like After Sun. Uh, that have uh, that are on my list and as yet unviewed, but uh, plucked from the suggestions of hashtag slash tag. 
So thank you, everybody that have that have uh, taken the cause of restoring my faith in our in our beloved hashtag on the greatest platform of all time, Twitter. That platform which shall stay here and forevermore and always be the same, Twitter. But I want to mention uh, one thing I did get a chance to watch, and one of the reasons I did get a chance to watch it is because it is uh, the format that I am most often looking for. It's the format that just fits so well in my viewing habit, and that is the half-hour comedy. I'm always looking for great new half-hour comedies. Uh, wife and I love to have a little uh, little appetizer half-hour comedy before we get into the meat of our viewing night, or or we wind down with with a half-hour comedy after we've uh, you know had, had our guts wrenched out by whatever you know prestige TV drama has done that to us. And the folks behind a YouTube series called Headless. Some of the people involved, one of the uh, act actors uh, reached out uh, on a hashtag slash tag and recommended a show called Headless, which is on YouTube, 10 episode, half hour show on YouTube. I have watched three of them so far, uh, and I find the show very charming, very, very charming. The idea is uh, Ichabod Crane uh, moves to Sleepy Hollow, uh, but Sleepy Hollow is a city today, and he's a school teacher today. And uh, it's a uh, very quirky, uh, you know, it, uh, Sleepy Hollow is still uh, full of witches and supernatural things, uh, but it is uh, very much a modern sitcom style uh, town. And he, through a series of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, um, events, I should say, I guess events, uh, coincidences is the word I was looking for, um, becomes roommates with the Headless Horseman. And it becomes a uh, a silly uh game of uh, not revealing that the headless horseman is headless to his landlord and all kinds of other stuff uh this is a very charming show it is a youtube project uh created uh written and created by the uh or at least created and directed by the uh two of the show's main actors as well um and it feels very much like a um a labor of love. And like I said, very charming. I, I laughed a number of times. It's got some great characters and uh, probably a show that could use the support of our audience. If people were so inclined to check it out, I think they would be, um, they would be tickled by headless, a sleepy hollow story on YouTube. Uh, and I should also point out that uh, a very talented actor named Kurt mega is in it. Uh, and I currently work with kurt on uh, oh, cool. uh you know in in an official capacity so just mm -hmm. uh full full disclosure um kurt and i work together on on video stuff together but uh a yeah. bunch of people i like are in that show so yeah looking forward to yeah i mean that. matt mercer's in that show yep. uh you may know from critical role uh, he has a fun part in it um there's a there's a lot of uh a lot of cool a lot of cool in that show it's it's fun it's great and i I get the sense, I don't know, I get the sense that this w didn't have a huge budget, uh, but it's pretty amazing to see how much they did with uh, what I assume to be not a lot. All right. Well, that's Headless, and it is available right now on YouTube, and you should go check it out, because it's free, you know? Um, I mean, you do have to watch ads, like, on Roku as well, but uh, <laughs> but they, they don't bother Jeff as much, because it's designed for that format, right? And if you've uh, got YouTube Premium... I got that YouTube uh, Premium, guys. Yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's good. Nice it's, and so free. it's so crucial. You know it's why, so Dave? Because I didn't expect this show to be grown on a tree. <laughs> All right. 
that is what we have been watching this week. Folks, let us get to some weekly plugs. On last week's episode of the Filmcast After Dark, we talked about Twitter and our thoughts on it. I thought it was a great conversation. I really appreciated hearing your guys' perspectives. Um, but at, at, at the time that you are listening to this listener, Elon Musk will have owned Twitter for less than two weeks. And I less think it's a safe, week. Well, at the well, time, yeah, at the time yeah, this yeah. episode comes out, yep, yep, yep. it's safe to say that uh, way like th- things have moved for the worst way faster than I could have ever thought. Um, and I thought I had a very pessimistic view, but it is it is mm-hmm. to me it feels like things are. Uh, and, and actually, I should point out by the way that by the time you're listening to this, something else terrible might have happened. Oh, that we every, don't every even day know it's about. a new yeah. awful thing. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> The pace at which he is setting fire to this thing is yeah. remarkable. It's, maybe it's, don't spend $44 billion for, for things you don't understand. And maybe shut yeah. up. Yeah. Maybe maybe oh, buy the thing. I can't do that. I bought the thing to talk. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's why he spent the $44 billion yeah. so he didn't have yeah. to shut up. That's a good yeah. point. Well, anyway, in this new uh, in, in the new post-Twitter world that I am seeing before, like spread out before me with like all of my favorite uh uh, film and TV uh, Twitter people fleeing to Mastodon and um and yeah, that's never going to happen. Yeah, and so, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either. But yeah. uh, it's so important to, to have a direct connection to the audience, and that's what I do over at my brand new newsletter, Decoding Everything, which you can find at decodingeverything.com. It's basically what is going to replace my Twitter presence in terms of hopefully my energy and output. So mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. If you enjoy my tweets, have enjoyed my tweets in the past, decodingeverything.com is where I would ask you to go. And I do just want to remark, folks, this sucks. <laughs> just, does, like, as we explained like, last week, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's just like everyone was, uh, we we're all having a grand old time on Twitter. I was having fun with like Twitter spaces and all this stuff. And it's like, it's it's mm-hmm. all just it feels like it's going to be over. It was really getting soon. better. It was yeah. one of the more responsive companies uh, when it came to yeah. bad bad experiences online. Man, it also sucks. I mean, maybe you guys don't agree with this, but I think it sucks what's happened to Elon. Like, if you'd asked me, <laughs> sure, I, I, I sure. bought a Tesla Model Three. I own a Tesla Model Three. Uh-huh. Would you uh-huh. would you buy that today? Would you buy that? No today? goddamn way. I don't. <laughs> I am embarrassed driving you it right now. You want to cover up that badge? You should just change that badge to something else. But, Put a Mercedes thing on there. Yeah. My friend used to have a, a my friend had a, a Tesla long before I did, and he used to have a uh, personalized license plate that said, yay, Elon. Mm. Like, mm. if you would, when I bought my Model 3, if you had said, hey, Elon Musk is buying Twitter, I would have been like, whoa, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> only good things can happen from that. Yeah, yeah. that just sounds like a great, that sounds like yeah. only upside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. it's like, oh, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Maybe no. the people who are loudest and trolliest on Twitter uh, being in charge of large portions of, I don't know, our world and our communication. Like, our, our, our economy. You know? Our yeah. economy, <laughs> um, our country. But he yeah. didn't used um, to be like yeah. that. That's my point. Yeah. Like he didn't, yep. there was a time when he just kind of shut up and did his companies. He, yeah. Uh, there are some good biographies out there, but he, he was always kind of an ass, but yeah, it, it's gotten worse. It certainly has yeah. gotten worse because uh, it turns out tweeting gave him a ton of new powers, gave him a fan base <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah. bad things happen. Because the internet was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm keeping score, Jeff. Um, 
the the monkey's paws fingers have curled three times under Jeff's ownership. Oh man, um, <laughs> there good. is nerds taking over. Yep. There uh-huh. is the internet becoming super popular and everyone being able to access it in, with a device in their pocket. That, that was probably yep, my yep. monkey paw wish. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And yeah. then there's, man, Elon Musk to just run everything. <laughs> so Smart, rich guys, thanks, what could be yeah. the problem? No, I, for you forgot our society, Jeff. You forgot uh, <laughs> all movie stars should be in Marvel and Star Wars projects. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Great, great, great In talk. fact, everything should just be superhero yeah. movies. Yeah, Moving I apologize forward. for that one. Sorry. Yeah. Great job, Jeff. Okay, that. anyway, decodingeverything.com. Please subscribe. I'm I'm literally begging people <laughs> to subscribe <laughs> because I, I don't think I'm gonna be on Twitter past November. That's my 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 guess. I, mean, so, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. The key uh, is to outlive him. <laughs> outlive him on Twitter. You know, he's not gonna be around this thing for much longer. It's true, it's true. I don't I think in 18 months Twitter will be owned by someone else, I predict. So um, so maybe uh, we'll all, after that happens, we'll all kind of get back. What would that, what would that vibe be? You know, like mm-hmm. it'd be like, um, you're on an airplane, right. And it starts getting super turbulent and everyone's like, Oh my gosh. And they start like confessing yeah. all of their, like, some people jump out the windows <laughs> yeah, because they're people, like, I don't trust this airplane. Yeah. Some people jump out the window. Some people are like, you know, uh-huh. 15 uh-huh. years ago, I, I hit a man going on I five South in, in the woods <laughs> and I just drove away. I never, ever, never talked about it again. And it's like, Oh, um, Okay. <laughs> And then, and then you find out like, hey, the plane's gonna be okay. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, let's just try to still look each other in the eye again after that. Huh? <laughs> uh, that's what's gonna be like when I sign back onto Twitter after yeah, Elon sells yeah, it to yeah. someone. So, so you'd be jumping uh, back into the plane. Yes, at that right. point, that's right. And try and be like, pretend nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dave is is the guy. Is like, there's only three parachutes. I get one of them. And then we're like, we're all fine. He's like, oh no, no. I'm, I mean, anybody could have had one of these. It's fine. I'm gonna get back on the plane. It's fine. Yeah, or uh, it's like the day after the purge when it's like, hey, didn't mm-hmm. you? Uh, didn't uh, Sally from accounting try to murder me last night? Um, anyway. All good fun. De- decodingeverything.com. Also, I'm covering the White Lotus over at podcast.decodingtv.com. Okay. Those are my weekly plugs. Devinder Hardware, what's your weekly plug? Well, if you want to hear more cogent commentary on Elon <laughs> Musk stuff over at the Engadget Podcast, our social media editor, or our social editor, um, Chris Abel, joined me and my co-host, Sherlyn Lowe, to discuss all this stuff. And we we did our own, like, um, you know, our own sort of kvetching, but Chris is also a good reporter. So she talks about, like, the, the nitty-gritty of what's happening there. So check that out on the Engadget Podcast. All right. And Jeff Kanata. Well, if you'd like a maybe a I don't know a limerick about Elon Musk, I'll do that for you. Whatever you want, I, I sell limericks. That's what I do on Cameo. What if Elon Musk uh, requests a limerick from you, Jeff? What would you do? Uh, you're turning Twitter <laughs> into a husk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Are you going to try to live write a limerick right now, Jeff? <laughs> I, mean, on the I, was, air? I was tempted, but I'm gonna, I'll yeah. mess it up. Something, something Musk. You're turning Twitter into a husk. Yeah. Um, f- for his pride, <laughs> something <We> glide. <laughs> That's <laughs> something, I, something, leave, something tusk. Leave it, to, <laughs> leave it to the professionals, Dave. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, that professional is me at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. You can get a personalized limerick that I promise will be marginally better than what Dave just did. Uh, wow. In fact, if you want to check out the over 100 five-star reviews I have gotten on that platform, you will notice that people are delighted. Nay, please. (laughs) (laughs) Nay, third thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> by uh, by the uh, limericks that they get at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. All right. And of course, uh, got a couple weekly plugs for the podcast as well. Patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. And in these uh, challenging times we're entering into, uh, it is so important that we have folks support to keep this podcast going. So thank you so much to everyone at patreon.com slash film podcast who helps to make the film cast possible. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. So if you want to support the podcast without donating any money at all, super easy to do that. Leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever your star ratings can be found. Uh, and you can also share about the podcast on all of your socials, on your Substacks, on your Mastodons, whatever it is you're using these days. We would really, really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who helps to support the show and keep it going. Let's get to our review of The Banshees of Inisherin. Call him Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. You are listening to or watching the film cast. Welcome to our review of The Banshees of Inisherin, Written and directed by Martin McDonough. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them, end quote. Devinder Hardwar, I remember when we started this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, when it was called The Slash Filmcast and previously The Watchers, you know, one of the movies that came out around that time was In Bruges. In Bruges, yeah. Which, uh, great film, in my opinion. Really, really great. Yeah, great movie. Uh, and obviously, McDonough has had a really illustrious career since then. But I am really curious, you know. So mm-hmm. he hasn't I, really I, made many movies since then. He he did Seven Psychopaths and he did Three Billboards. You know. Yes. And yes. But not, you know, not really that both much. Of those yeah. critically acclaimed Academy Award winning mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but uh, and he's also done plays in that time as well. So yeah. uh, he is first and foremost a playwright. Yeah. I was very excited about this movie. Um, had heard great things, and it seems to be up my alley in terms of the subject matter. And so I'm really curious, Devendra, let's hear your thoughts on Banshees of Inisherin. What did you think of this movie? Oh, I, I thought this movie was hilarious. And in ways I didn't really expect to, because ultimately, this is a movie about the end of a friendship. It's a friendship breakup um, set in a sort of like dreary and cold, you know, uh, island off of uh, off of Ireland. Um, so the setting and the characters around it doesn't make you think like you're going to be watching a rollicking comedy. But uh, I found this movie just genuinely hilarious. I saw it with my brother uh, last night and we were we were only some of the few people in the theater. But we were having a ball because of the absurdity, first of all, of the situation, you know, of the setup of like, oh, you, he just doesn't want to talk to you anymore. And the slow realization that it was because you're just you're just kind of dull. And the the comedy that ensues from that, I think, is genuinely good. Um, this is a very focused movie. 
in a way that I appreciated because uh, I liked a lot about three billboards. I think it may be overreached at certain points, which, Hey, there, there's a lot you could talk about in that movie. This one is a lot more focused on just like a friendship and how people relate to each other. And uh, you know, you've got um, a civil war kind of happening in the background, which could sort of mirror what's happening in the movie. But generally I found this movie just to be a great time of, uh, you know, just watching the, it, it is like the ultimate breakup. And it's like somebody who doesn't understand like why, either a relationship fell apart or why a friendship fell apart and somebody else just having more of an awakening maybe of the world and of the time that they spend and the, <laughs> the making their time more valuable and me maybe just going about that in a really shitty way. I think uh, th- there's a lot going on in this movie. I genuinely loved it. Um, I thought it was going to be kind of a slot to be honest, especially because it's close to two hours long. And I, I just, I, could have sat there for three hours i could have had much more of this these characters this community the vibe of this movie too because it's very much putting you in that place of being in this these like just like very cold houses i just felt cold you know (laughs) watching this movie because they're in stone houses some of the houses have like you know uh straw roofs like it's very much like how people were living a long time ago there you know like no, no real modern amenities but there's a sweetness to this movie too even when things get really really crazy at the end yeah. So, yeah. i uh, love it mm-hmm. i'm i'm so glad you liked it i remember you were like a little bit i think when i first had floated this as a movie main movie idea i, I don't know that you were so hot on it back then mm-hmm. but i'm glad you really liked it now yeah, um yeah. the uh i will say one of the things i really like about the movie is uh so first of all uh, in sharon is a fictional island we should say mm-hmm. um but what I think this movie does a really good job of is showing you what that community environment atmosphere is like, you know, in, I live in Seattle and there are multiple islands off of the coast of Seattle, I guess in the mm-hmm. Puget sound. So there's like Bainbridge Island and Vashon Island. And you need to take a 30 to 45 minute ferry to get from those islands to the, the city. I love the and Bainbridge the, Ferry. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. But there's people who like live on these islands and they choose to commute like 45, mm-hmm. 60, 90 minutes to get to work every day. And I'm always like, why would you do that? That seems extremely stressful, you know, to have to do that. It's a lovely community here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's like a whole different world, basically. Yes, it's a whole yeah. di- like everyone knows each other and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um, I- island people in general, <laughs> like small island folks. Uh, right. we could go back to Midnight Mass. Uh I remember visiting small islands around New England. Kind of the same deal of like locals are a very specific vibe and it's really it's yeah. like going into a new universe whenever you enter these places yeah i should point out obviously like these islands that i've referred to are much more populous yeah, and yeah, yeah. more technologically advanced than any sharon and this movie takes place <laughs> in 1923 so it's like a very different than that but it's just, i'm always just like curious like you know, like on on a lark, I have mm-hmm. wondered like maybe like I should investigate living on yeah, island. See what that, see what Sometimes that's like. You, you know? just want to get away from people. Maybe yeah. maybe we've got too many people. But this yeah. movie has seen like it's just seen. But this movie like, does show the disadvantages of that as well. I think. The disadvantages, <laughs> but also the the advantages. I would say like man, just what if just get up and just sell some milk and then go to the pub all day. <laughs> and the pub has this nice little table overlooking the cliffs and the water. It's mm-hmm. Like. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. be there for a little while. A little while until you realize how freaking cold everything is at all times. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on the Banshees of Inisherin? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on the Banshees of Inisherin is best summed up in the form of a limerick. I was already loving that script when a policeman gave Colin a fat lip. <laughs> Dave Chen said it right. This odd friendship fight 
is true Jeff Kanata catnip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if fat cat, lip. I don't wow. know if catnip and fat lip rhymes with script, Jeff, but I'll allow it. Yes, sure. it does, sure. Dave. Sure. <laughs> I want to tell you the story of this limerick. Uh, about five minutes into this movie, you had said, Jeff, I, I, I really, I think you're going to love this movie. I think it's Jeff Kanata catnip, as yes. you said to me. Yes. About five minutes into this movie, I went, Oh my God, Dave was right. It's, I love this movie so much. <laughs> Five minutes in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sitting there in the movie theater, I go, I kind of want to use catnip as the, uh, as the rhyme in the limerick. <laughs> but there's no way. What, what even rhymes with catnip? Fat lip. But what are the odds that someone in this movie is going to get a fat lip? Five minutes into the movie. And then <laughs> about a half an hour in the movie, Colin Farrell gets punched by a cop and is sitting there with a big fat lip. And I was like, it's meant to be. I have to do it. Very strange. Very strange Kismet. experience to me. I've, I literally thinking to myself, not knowing where this movie was going at yeah, all. Five yeah. minutes in, he's like, do you want to go have a beer? With, get into the pub and have a beer with me? And uh, he says no. And I'm like, man, there's no way somebody's getting a fat lip in this movie. And then they did. So I had to do it's, it. Well, Jeff, I'm really glad you had that evolution. And, and look at the limerick we got from it. Amazing. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I uh, love this movie. I love this movie. Um, it, it, it does feel like a play. It, it, I love the language of this movie. I love, you know, it, it feels almost like a Coen Brothers or, you know, or, or David Mamet, uh, where the sort of the idiosyncrasies of the vernacular is a character in, in the movie. And I, mm-hmm. I love that. I eat that stuff up. Um, and I love how it is the smallest stakes there could ever be turned into the biggest stakes mm-hmm. for a movie. It, it is literally just, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I, 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 as it was unfolding at the beginning, I'm like, Oh my god! It'd be so amazing if that's literally the entire movie is about them, and and it really and it was. It is. It is. And, but it is so wonderful how that. I mean, I think I got more deep stuff out of it than it sounds like you did, Devendra, because I do think it's it's no, hilarious. It, it, I do. There's think it's a lot of fun, deep stuff going on here, but yeah. it's also like this. I, it, first of all, we have a character who is having an existential crisis yes. and it, that feels very relatable today as well of like, what is even the point of all this? What, yeah. what will live beyond me? Well, I need to make some, I need to do something as somebody who is in his forties as I am, you know, it, it, having that midlife crisis of what, what am I even doing? I loved that aspect of it. And I also think it speaks to our time in a way of how this nice guy who is constantly being referred to as the nice guy can turn into a monster from the smallest thing, from the smallest, this tiny thing that can get under our skin, a, a, an insulting tweet can turn you into a complete monster. You can be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wrapped up in this notion of, of not being able to handle the social dynamic that we're seeing writ large in our society because of because social is not just two people in a pub anymore, not just the six people that live on this island. It's global. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think this movie has so much to say about the social framework and the fragility of it and mm-hmm. the extremes to which we will go to reckon with it and, and preserve it and not have it offend us in any deep yeah. way. It's like a metaphor for our relationship with Twitter in many ways too. Like the whole, like I shouldn't be just sitting here and doom scrolling 
you know, for, for an hour or two every night. I should, I should go out and do something constructive with my life. And yes. I did feel that for sure. Yeah. It, I, 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 yeah, I can't imagine mm-hmm. why it struck me so personally, uh, this movie about guys sitting around talking regularly and then <laughs> One of them's like, I don't want to talk anymore. I want to do something with my life. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why I would relate with that so much. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird mm-hmm. feeling, you know. Especially to... <laughs> especially in like you just realize one of them is just like really dull, you know, or you're the dull one. Yeah. You know what do you what do you do? You're like, oh man, I'm just yeah. I'm actually I am literally dragging down everyone around me with my stupidity. Like that that, that is a fun concept. It's, yeah. It, but, there's so many wonderful performances. There isn't a moment in this movie that doesn't include either of the two main actors, uh, Colin Farrell or, um, or Gleason, mm-hmm. uh, that literally made me cry. Uh, it, it, it is, we'll talk about it in spoilers. It is an exquisite, an exquisite piece of acting. Um, and I mean, I think, the, I think this movie is an absolute gem. There's nothing else like it. It's, it's beautiful. It's hilarious. There are lines that I could like write and put on my wall, you know, like that I just want to remember forever. They're just so perfectly, perfectly executed. I, I love this movie. I think this is mm-hmm. going to be in my top 10 of the year for sure. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, hey, I mean, sounds like a broken record here, but I really like the movie as well. Um, I particularly want to give a shout out to uh, Carrie Condon, who plays. Siobhan, uh, yeah, Colin Farrell's sister, she is kind of the heart and soul of the film. She's kind of yeah. the mediator between these two opposing forces, neither of whom are acting reasonably, in my opinion, <laughs> right? Uh, but it, she's almost like the audience surrogate of like, oh, through her, we can experience the madness that's going on around us. Um, so I just really thought she brought a lot mm-hmm. to this movie. But also but, like yeah. the madness of island life versus the pull of like go, going out and literally doing anything else with your life, you know, on the on yeah. the mainland too. Like yeah. there's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. She but, quits Twitter, right? She's the only one that can quit Twitter. Yeah. Um well we'll 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 talk about that in spoilers, Jeff. But <laughs> yes. um anyway, yeah, uh, all the performances are great and the the things that this movie captures, you guys have already touched upon and that I've already touched upon, like this idea of island life, what that community is like, how oppressive it can be how mm-hmm. nice Small. it can be you know yeah um but also as jeff put it like this idea of escalation you know this it can start with something small and then it can escalate it's like a road rage mm-hmm. you know you're mm-hmm. screaming at someone who like just like nudged you a little bit this way it's something you would never do mm-hmm. in real life but because you're in cars you feel like it's okay to scream at them i yeah. mean it's kind of a, a version of that we, that we see in this movie where like, in my opinion, it's about to some degree, like toxic masculinity. It's about loneliness. There is a loneliness epidemic amongst men specifically yeah. uh, in this country. And um, it's a well-documented fact that like men have fewer friends than women do and, and have fewer meaningful conversations with uh, their friends. And, this movie kind of shows some of the impacts of, mm-hmm. of that. Like mm-hmm. what, what happens when you draw that out to its logical conclusion? So uh, dialogue's great. It's very funny. It takes some interesting turns. And also, yeah, like it, it escalates. Even though the stakes are really small, you feel this sense mm-hmm. of escalation and inevitability to the proceedings. I, I feel I really like conflict. That's it. the idea of conflict, the, the, the civil war happening like off on the mainland and them not yeah. fully understanding what's happening there too. I think 
is a is a big part of it too like who they don't know what kind of what started that war i'm not fully up on the history either um but the idea that humans can just outright start killing each other make things deadly you know based on maybe a disagreement or maybe some sort of even a minor conflict is it's like inherent in all of us and it could start from the smallest seed um one thing i want to point out is like this is also my our second sad colin farrell movie of of the year after uh after after yang um and i love i love him in this mode specifically because he is both so he can be the dashing leading man but he can also be the sad puppy dog guy um those big eyebrows do so much work in this movie he he is like yeah shaggy dog at times (laughs) with those eyebrows but like there there is a moment uh just like the simpsons like where you can pinpoint when his heart breaks yeah you know and like he sells it with his eyes and his face and how he reacts but this movie begins in an almost like comical way like he is just smiling he's just walking down the street there's a rainbow behind him yeah like in the bay it's like it's like it's hilarious it's like <laughs> yeah. almost like a children's movie of like how happy and idyllic his little life is at that point and then to see where everything goes i think is just fascinating um all, all it's really all colin peril you're, you're right heart. to point out his performance it, i mm-hmm. i think it's it's oscar nomination worthy it is a it is mm-hmm. a wonderful wonderful performance but everybody in this movie is very very good I'll, I'll... It, it's it's also worth reflecting on uh, just how far colin farrell has come career-wise i mean mm-hmm. in the early aughts uh he had addiction issues he had a sex tape uh and then and he was kind of starring in these big budget blockbusters but that none of them were particularly good like remember swat you know, yeah. remember SWAT? Uh, remember his uh, his turn in Daredevil? Yeah. Yes, that's total right? recall. Yeah, Did you guys total... ever see Alexander? No, I have no. not. That have is not. that was the uh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Alexander, Stone, yeah. the yeah. great movie. I saw that in theaters, and he was actually pretty good in it. But it, 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 that was a weird moment for us, where it's like he could be huge, he could be big. And then he did in Bruges a couple of years later, and we're like, oh, actually, this this is best. Yeah, I this mean, he he, he has taken like really interesting smaller roles. They're not going to be seen by as many people as watch SWAT in theaters, mm-hmm. um, but they ultimately, I think, are better work in Bruges. I'm thinking of um, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer as well. You know, like yeah, uh, also starring yeah, yeah. Barry Keoghan. And so I, I think that. Uh, I'm loving this stage of his career. I'm loving the choices he's making. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to make these choices. I'm sure he gets calls all the time to be like, be in the Marvel movie, be in this action movie, whatever. Be be the gray man, you know, like whatever. But like he's he's turning that down and uh, we're all richer for it. So absolutely. Any, anyway, um, why don't we get the spoilers for the Banshees of Inisherin starting right now? Now you're looking for the secret. You're trying to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. One of the things we didn't really mention during our main review is Barry Kilgan's review... I'm sorry, his performance in this movie, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty heartbreaking. He plays that mo- Dominic. That moment on the beach is the one that utterly destroyed me when he tries to ask her out uh-huh. and like the way he, he does that is so vulnerable and so beautiful and so heartbreaking and how he, you know, he knows what she's going to say, but he says it anyway. And, and that's, oh my God, that se- sequence is mm-hmm. incredible. And when, incredible. and also when he calls out Colin Farrell's character for being kind, kind like, I thought you were nice, but it turns out like you're, you're yeah. Just, yeah. just as shitty as them. Like he is sort of like the, the truth teller mm-hmm. here. 
Yeah. I thought her response to it was very compassionate, mm-hmm. though. Yes. Like, I, I thought she was very kind, you know. Um, there was a moment in the movie that I thought was weird. You guys tell me, like, what you thought. So There are many weird moments. We, but, well, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we find out that, like, he, like, Barry Keoghan's character um, commits suicide in the movie, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. is my interpretation. Yeah, seems like seeing him in the background on the cliff and then... Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, so th- that was weird to me that the way I remember it shot is Siobhan is saying goodbye to Colin yep. Farrell. Like, she's yep. waving goodbye to him. And then in the background of the Colin Farrell shot, we see... A, f- a figure that we don't know who it is. I thought yeah. it was the the old woman, but okay, right. could, could easily and then, be there. And then yeah. uh, we cut back to Siobhan again, and she's looking at the cliff, and she's very concerned. Yeah, she looks like yeah. very concerned. Yeah. And then we don't see what happens. Yeah, my interpretation is that was Dominic who then like jumped off the cliff afterwards. But if that's true, it's weird that her letter back to Pat Padraic uh, or Colin's character, character, sorry if I'm mispronouncing, it, was like really upbeat. No, so he, that was the cliff, but they pulled him out of the like little river pond, the little like lake. But it almost seemed like she saw him jump. Like, I think it was more like she was concerned about what he was going to do. He was going to, maybe he didn't didn't actually actually see it. Yeah, he he probably didn't see it because he died in in the other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a weird um, moment. It's, you Mm -hmm. know, the movie is generally like spells out everything that happens in the movie. So it's weird that that moment is like left up to your imagination there's but. a lot of weird things like there there is a bit of mysticism here because the old woman is like they basically explain like what if a banshee is just somebody who's just sitting there watching all this fall apart and like the old woman is like yes step into the lake or yes i will <laughs> wa- sit here and watch you know this house burn and this friendship fall apart so they kind of like subtly saying like she is some sort of witch or banshee as well you know really yeah. that's is that your interpretation of the title because that's- i, I- my some people are yeah. like that. Like she does, it doesn't have to be magical, but some people who revel in the misery of it all. And I feel like even that early conversation, like she she uh, seems like that sort of person. Yeah. Uh, the title comes from a song that yes. Brendan Gleeson's character Colm is writing, and he's like, "I think I'm going to call it the Banshees of Inisherin," right? Because it just sounds like a good name. But my interpretation is like one of my favorite letterbox lists that I ever wrote was, um, you know. Uh, movies whose theme can be summed up by the phrase, but who's the real title mm-hmm. of the movie? Mm-hmm. Who is the real parasite? You know, who is the real <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and Jurassic I, Park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who is the, who are the real Banshees of Inisherin? And I think it's these men, you know, I think it's these men mm-hmm. who are like screaming for companionship and connection mm-hmm. and don't get it mm-hmm. uh and it causes them to do it causes them to scream not outwardly not explicitly but like metaphorically and um so anyway that was how i interpreted the title yeah but, i mean mul- there are multiple things it's yeah. just like yeah, that old woman it's... was just kind of yeah, yeah sure interesting sure. there um i don't think the movie ever really acknowledges the fact that uh you know, brendan gleason's character is likely twin 20 years older than colin farrell's like some sort of that like the idea that he would maybe a little more concerned about his place in the world and the legacy he leaves mm-hmm. behind, I think is, is kind of valid. Like I was actually on his side for most of the time. And like, he's somebody who's just like, you know, how do you break up with somebody? Do you do it slowly? You can break it to them, you know, logically, or do you just pull the bandaid off? And he chose to just pull the bandaid off and, you know, hilarity yeah. ensues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought about it, Divindra, but I think that 
part of the reason he has to pull the bandaid off is because they live on Inisharan, right? Like I yeah, think if yeah. if they lived in a city, it's like, oh yeah, we'll hang out next week. Like and you never <laughs> it's true. It's true. You never see them. But because I, they're on a, this a small island, mm-hmm. it's like you have to just make your intentions clear or else. Yeah. And the movie yeah. is not like shy about saying like Colin Farrell's character is just is kind of what they're saying. Like he is a sweet guy. He is not very well read though. Like he, he, he just kind of exists in his own bubble and his own thing. So I think even, I, I think the, the mental anguish of Brendan Gleeson's character, like explaining why, you know, like it's easier just to do this rather than to sit you down and have a breakup talk or something, which he eventually has to do. But yeah, I, I found ahead, the moment where the finger actually is cut off to yeah. be extremely shocking and the movie the movie is like this ha ha fun times and then all of a sudden it just ratchets ratchets up the stakes and the it, 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 i've never seen a movie do that before where it just gets into a completely different gear mm-hmm. uh, you establish this very light this very fun kind of silly uh tone and then this one act mm-hmm. completely transforms the context. It's really yeah. shocking. And I, think, I, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it because at that point mm-hmm. you're like, okay, anything can happen now. And we're really talking about something real. And Brendan Gleeson's character has some serious issues. Serious <laughs> issues. You know what I yeah. mean? There's like, <laughs> a lot going on there. Perhaps if you want to be a fiddler or, you know, for the rest of your life, you, you don't want to start chopping off your fiddle fingers. Like I think there, there is an inherent, um, like huge yeah it's not logical like what he's doing it's like purely emotional and both these men are like running on their emotions yeah i would say though the moment when the policeman punches colin farrell kind of out of nowhere that is also like there are escalation points in this movie i feel like that was one because then brendan gleese's character says that and wordlessly is just like okay buddy like let me let me just at least like get you start getting you home um like they're that whole moment amazing crazy moment moment, an amazing moment and shows like there there is love between them it's like i just don't want to talk with you anymore because talking with you sucks the soul out of my life because i want to do other things and that is that is understandable to a certain degree yeah it it does kind of belie his desire to leave a legacy though right like yeah if he was really committed to leaving a legacy he wouldn't be cutting off his finger i mean i don't know the movie explains it almost it's almost like self-parody because he's like yes, conducting yes, yes. the people and he's like well, there's literally he's just blood, shoving the there's literally the bro- yeah. blood spraying everywhere it's so a wonderful like conducting the, people at the at the uh pub yeah there's a wonderful line when when he cuts off all five of his fingers uh he says some i can't remember what prompts it but he says uh don't worry about it it's a relief mm. it's mm-hmm. like wow I mean, there's so, there's so much in that of of well, now the pressure isn't on me to actually play this song. Now that now yeah, it, there's, yeah. it, it's a it's a relief that I don't have fingers, and now I, I'm not responsible for what those fingers are capable of doing. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a very I found this to be a very very powerful moving movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, no, go please. Ahead. Well, I thought that the you brought up the point earlier about legacy, Jeff, and it's definitely something you know. I am thinking heavily about, right? Um, And I'll just get a little bit, I'll get a little personal, you know, and say that like, um, I, uh, I'm really extremely proud of what we've built here on the film cast. And also like, I've taken a massive amount of time and effort to try to build something similar over at the decoding TV.com, you know? Um, And I'm very proud of like what I've been able to accomplish there. At the same time, you know, 
I'm also looking at like, is what I want to be known for at the end of life mm-hmm. that I talked about a bunch of movies and TV? Like, is that yeah. Yeah. is that it? It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, a lot of people get a lot out of what we do and uh, they get community out of what we do. People have met and gotten married and become friends and visited each other and so on. And because of the communities that we've helped to build. Um, so it's not like there's nothing there that's valuable but it's, it's a like, very human thought right it's i, I like, think yeah, yeah. What, what what am i going to be known mm-hmm. for what do i want to be known for um but i think what the movie is trying to say is that dedication to that legacy can become too extreme and counterproductive right like mm-hmm. to put it lightly we, yeah we're more than what we leave behind in a exactly way. Yeah. exactly yeah. it's and the relationships we leave behind yes too. Yeah. i think that's what it's saying is the yeah. relationships th- are as important 100 percent. 100 i love yeah. the drunken uh shouting match between colin farrell's character and gleason's when he's just like yeah i i don't i don't know if people will remember me but i'll remember my sister and yeah. she is just in the back just like he's saying very sweet things about her because that's what he truly feels. You know, he doesn't have actual ill will to her, even though they're stuck in this house living like in, in twin beds, sleeping next to each other, like a married couple and not, not a great setup, you know, for, for adults to be living in, but it's very sweet and he's sweet to her. And that's how she responds. And I do. Yeah. yeah. Every, every scene of this movie, even though this movie just tends to go on for a while, I feel like every scene is so powerful, even though if it's just people walking down a road with some cows or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are like flashes of uh, really goofy, zany humor. Like <laughs> when he tells Brendan Gleeson's friend that his mom or dad got hit oh, by a bread truck or dude, something. that line. Oh, man. <laughs> that line That's where he's like, my mom if died. it's the same bread truck, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, just, yeah, just like, you know, you, you're at that point in the movie, you're like, this is in a really dark place. And then all of a sudden, just like something that's like coming out of like an SNL sketch, like hits you, you know? Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. So <laughs> it happens. It happens to people all the time. I know. My mom was <laughs> so great. <laughs> <laughs> um any thoughts on the ending so like what happens mm-hmm. at the end is brendan gleason throws some fingers they tragically get eaten by uh colin Sweet farrell's donkey. donkey yeah pony uh it's, a, it's a miniature donkey yeah and uh and he, he dies and so colin farrell's like well whatever the, whatever our quarrels were now i'm super pissed i'm gonna burn down yeah. your house this time you. it's personal yeah yeah, yeah this time well it's, it's he's yeah. literally everything's been systematically taken away from colin farrell everything yeah. he has and, and it's not a lot of things he doesn't start yeah. with a lot yeah. but everything yeah. his sister has left his only yeah. friendship is gone he has no purpose and at least he can sit in his room with his little donkey who goes in the room mm-hmm. and gives him yeah. a little bit of love and now that's sweet, gone sweet donkey it and is, also like yeah there there is there are certainly parallels between I think how they're framing his intelligence or his like his his world weariness I guess I don't know like they call him dull and what is a duller animal than than a donkey you know an animal we literally call an ass and there is a sweetness to that like a sweetness and how the donkeys is very cute like it'll just like knock at the door in the morning and go in and hang out with them I found that super relatable so when yeah when their character dies it's like a, a version of himself in a certain way too like you can understand his response even as drastic as it is yeah, yeah. i remember hearing it at one point I, I wish i could remember who to credit it Uh-oh. feels like a mammoth thing or somebody said oh. once um you know w- w- one of the things you to do in screenwriting is uh take a man and take everything away from him and then once he has nothing take away something else 
And it's like, that's what this, it feels like this movie does to the Colin Farrell character is literally just systematically dismantle everything that he cares about at all and, and de destroy him and then see what happens. And what happens is he, he becomes this thing that he's never been before. He turns into a monster. And that, that scene where he systematically puts the wood in the windows and yeah. sets the house on fire is so disturbing because the whole time you just go, stop, you're a good man. You're nice. You're nice. And man, I, I, I loved the framing of, of that because again, it's in, in a one sense, it's such low stakes of being a nice person. And on the other hand, it's everything. It's everything. It's just be nice to each other. And it is a it, it, people have have value uh, assigned value to that in the context of this movie. Like Colin, you're the nice, you're nice, you're a nice guy. We like that about you. And it, and because he goes down this road of losing that, it's so tragic. It's like, you know, it's not Lear, it's not Macbeth. It's just this guy becoming not a nice person anymore. Beautifully said, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that. Great, great interpretation of kind of the tragedy of the ending. Um, Devinder Hardware, any other thoughts on the end of this movie before we wrap things up? Yeah, I mean, I, I also thought it was beautiful. Like, uh, this is one of those movies that ends at the exact right spot. And I kind of, I always love being able to call that because, like, I do feel like I, I could tell when a movie is good and when it's perfect is when, like, me and the director are kind of vibing on the same level. So, like, to end it right after the beach and to be like, well, this is just kind of it. This is what we are now. This is going to be it till the end. Um, it does make you think about like how far you came with this film, like from the beginning, from Colin Farrell walking down a rainbow behind him and being so happy and gleeful um, to where we are now. Like it is, it's sad and depressing, but also like it feels like we see this story time and time again, be it war, be it like quarrels between friends or anything like it is. It is so human. This island is like a microcosm for our civilization in, in a way. And it left me sad, but also like, you know, well, that's just how we are. I don't know how we fix that in ourselves, but I did appreciate where it ended. That that microcosm you're talking about is so, I think, so so poignant because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think what is it only in the last few years, the OED has added the word unfriending to the dictionary. Right. 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 We, we now unfriend. Uh, and that is, it's literally the premise of this movie is someone gets unfriended. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I just want to say, this is a much better movie than the movie Unfriended, the 2014 <laughs> horror film. So, I uh, heard some people like some of those. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I didn't say it was bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's much better than that one. So anyway, at the end of the day, it's pretty impressive that Martin McDonough made a movie. Please Indeed. make more movies. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. Find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his band Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week, it's going to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever, folks. And, of course it is. Uh, unfortunately, it will probably the episode will come out a little bit later than people are used to. Um, but it, we do plan to have it out on Tuesday at some point. So sorry, I'm taking a work trip slash vacation trip, and it's going to delay us a oh, little bit. Oh, it's a bit. slash vacation trip now. <laughs> I heard you were going to be furiously working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, anyway, uh, so you can look forward to that Black Panther Wakanda Forever. November is packed. There's going to be a lot to talk mm -hmm. about this month. 
Um, so we'll try to get it all for you here on the Filmcast. But um, thank you so much to the folks at patreon.com slash filmpodcast to support the show. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks for rating our podcast. Thanks for sharing about it. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.